everybody and welcome back to the Off The Key Podcast. I'm your host, Mac, and today I'm joined by my two regular co-hosts, Garrett. I'm a creep. And James. Me too. <sighs> Dang it, you should say, and I'm a weirdo, <laughs> and then Mac all. comes back in and says, and what the hell are we doing here? Man, ruined the bit. I didn't know you there was a bit. The bit I didn't know there was a I bit s- going s- on. <laughs> well, James will make it clear that he is not a radio head and Tom York... No. Nut hugger like I am. And, no, not at all. And me to some extent. And he's already made that painfully obvious. Yes. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, and speaking of which, today we are talking about the Radiohead offshoot band, The Smile, and it's their debut studio album, A Light for Attracting Attention. So The Smile is an English rock band and Radiohead offshoot consisting of Radiohead's main creative core, Tom York and Johnny Greenwood, as well as Sons of Kemet drummer Tom Skinner. And the album was also produced by their longtime, longtime producer, Nigel Godrich. A goat. So this is basically a Radiohead album. It might as it well is. be. It might as well it be. It is. I mean, as, as a huge Radiohead stan, this might as well be. It has all the important parts of Radiohead. And let me just get one thing. Thing kind of settled when it comes like to the background of this album that a misconception I had I always thought that the thing keeping Radiohead back because it's their main creative member I always thought it was Tom York I always thought he either wanted to do his own thing or that he had all these projects that he was doing and that put Radiohead on the back burner and for years I had this misconception and I'd always get angry at him like I'm like I would always shake my head and say there goes Tom York frigging around with something different and I, another year we don't get Radiohead because if you know anything about Radiohead, you know that their times between albums are very lengthy. Extensive. As past like 2005, very, very lengthy, like multiple half decades to sometimes a decade of like length or almost a decade in gaps between albums. So I used to really just kind of just be annoyed with Tom. And then I realized that with this album and all these ideas and like some of his like Adams for Peace stuff, I kind of stepped back and I was like, you know what? Tom's just kind of staying in his lane. And then I looked at what some of the other people are doing and the other members, especially cough, cough, the members that aren't in this iteration are always doing something else. There's like, Oh, I got to take care of my family. I got to take care of my kids. Or Ed O'Brien wanted to start his own band for Christ's sake. I don't know why literally the worst member, at least most useless member of a band that I've ever heard in my life thinks that he's good enough to start his own band instead of Radiohead, but I digress. So this is pretty much Tom and Johnny saying, we're not waiting on you guys. We're going to do our own thing, even if we have to change it up a little bit and, you know, rebrand and do and whatever. We still want to do music, you know. You know, we're old, but we can still kick it. And that's pretty much what this album is. Oh, yeah. Honestly, a lot of this album reminds me of various aspects of older Radiohead projects like OK Computer, in rainbows and even Kid A a little bit. Yeah, they do take, I mean, it has a very, um, Tom York is going back to basics, so to speak. And it feels like Johnny almost kind of reins him in a little bit because there is not, I mean, there are some synths on this album and electronic inspired works, but this is very much a rock record. Harkens back to their old days of OK Computer through In Rainbows. Yeah, very much their 2000 um, sound. Yes, and it incorporates all of their their sounds and to some extent their motifs 
from older albums and incorporates into like so also something new. I think do think they break a little bit of new ground, not too much, but while keeping it within the same kind of Radiohead esque structure and. I think they do really well. And also, I like their new drummer. What do you think about their... Oh, oh he's, Tom, he's Tom awesome. Skinner is killer. Also, how... Have you heard, like, some of Radiohead's, like, older stuff with Selway? And how would you compare them? Skinner definitely has a better sense of feel, I, I would say. More, I feel like he's more jazz, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a very well, jazz that's, that's, oriented yeah, drummer. that's what I mean. It's it, much more of a swingy, kind of groovy feel to him and that you know that's obvious coming from jazz it's pretty much necessary to have that ridiculously solid but also kind of loose feel if you know what i mean yeah 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 it's it's like consistent but it's still relaxed laid back kind of a groovy feel i really really like skinner and i think he is great he even kind of does you know when it comes to that uh that's Selway-esque jazz drummer. He almost does. He has that niche almost better. It's it's funny to see that I, I originally thought that Tom and Giant, whoever, whatever they wanted to do, would never reach Radiohead heights without the full band. I've never been more wrong in my life because really those two are all you need. And with Goodrich, because he's, he's kind of like an unofficial Radiohead member, kind of like the Beatles and like George Martin, how yeah. they worked so closely for so long that they might as well have been another member, like creatively. And also, contextually, Tom is going through this decade has been rough for him. I mean, absolutely tragic. I mean, with you know his divorce, and then she died, and now he's taking care of a kid on his own, and then everyone else wants to do their own thing. So you can tell his need to channel music because he he wants he's like okay, you know. I'm old, but my family has fallen apart. My life has fallen, and I want to get back to that. And everyone else is like, okay, I don't want to. So he just kind yeah. of took Johnny and said, listen, we're Radiohead. Let's do this. And just they just laid down some sick, sick grooves. And also, I want to go on a little tangent for a little bit, and I just want to say how Ed O'Brien is the most useless band member of a band I have ever seen. That man does fuck all creatively, Fuck all on stage. He is pretty much like a guitar tech going around and like adjusting instrument, man. He doesn't even do like, he has not done anything since the nineties. I so was going to say, what, I thought he was like their rhythm guitarist. I was going to say, what is the role that he has? So supposed role that he has. The supposed role. If every, if we lived in a perfect world would, would be Johnny is the main guitarist. He is the rhythm guitarist, but on almost everything, including this band, Tom plays guitar while he sings. So what does he do? Nothing. He's literally like on stage. He's literally doing like little sound, like little like. Ding, ding. <laughs> so, so he's just there to add like. Ding. Yes. Some depth. I yeah. Guess, some and when layers. it comes, yeah, when it comes to because I've done like a lot of like looking into like how they make their albums. I think they are a very like their creative process is very interesting. How they record and then design these songs to be played live, and like everyone has like parts of songs that they've written. It's mostly. Tom and um, Johnny, Colin Greenwood had a lot of songs like the baseline for 15 step. You know, he brought that to Tom instead of vice versa. And then Phil had a lot of like, you know, drum programming and all that stuff and creative stuff that he did. And like Ed O'Brien's input has been like, like I've input probably just as much to Radiohead as he has like post 2000. Like he has not done anything. And I will, and then now, 
He's trying to do his own band. And I, as a fan of Radiohead, I see you're getting in the way. You're keeping this from happening. So I'm glad that Tom didn't want to like sit on his laurels and like wait around for the rest of his band members to like live up their Barbie and Ken doll fantasies where they just have, you know, they just get old and do with their families and just fuck around. And he actually like, let's record some more music because if we hadn't got that, I, if they hadn't decided to like go on their own, I don't think we would have got another Radiohead project ever because the other three members of the band, especially Ed and Phil Selway, they drag their feet. They have taken their time. You can tell they are definitely like, they've had their fun. They're they're busy. Like yeah, they're they, they've moved on from that point of their life, and it saddens me. And it definitely, it saddened me a whole lot more before I knew that that I could get more Radiohead content. Essentially, yeah. I mean, they haven't released an album since 2016, and and all of the side projects have been pretty underwhelming. Yeah, I know they did like that charity thing, and Tom York's had several solo projects, but I have not cared for any of them. Yeah, because the thing is, someone needs to be there to rein Tom in, and Greenwood likes more background. When he's on his own, he does like he does a lot of ambient works. He does orchestral stuff. He kind of stays away from mainstream like rock and like pop oriented stuff, whereas he needs that you know catchy that hook writer part of him, whereas. Tom needs to someone that can keep him a little bit more like focused, a little bit more restrained. So their partnership is per is yeah they balance they balance each other out, yeah. and that's why I was like more excited for this than their side projects because, like I said earlier, I feel like York and Greenwood are their creative core. Greenwood is responsible for a lot of the compositions and the arrangements of almost all of their music and Tom York is definitely a major creative force as far as their like songwriting and even some of the uh, instrumentation, right? Yeah. Because, and the funny thing is, is that there are drums on like old Radiohead albums that Tom put down himself, the national anthem. That's like all created by Tom recorded by Tom. So it's like these other band, like, yes, they're contributing, but like they're not even coming up with their own parts. Like, they're just kind of like, it almost feels like there is, God, especially with Ed O'Brien, it feels like he is just like a hard stagehand because it's like, what is he doing? Like, his parts aren't written by him and he don't even play them because that's the thing is like, it should be he's playing the rhythm guitar, but Tom just plays the rhythm guitar. It's like, what is he doing? Yes, he feels like an excessive member. To me, if you're going to be in a band, you got to contribute. At least more than what it seems that O'Brien has. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, uh, I guess we should probably introduce Radiohead before we get into the album. Cause who's Radiohead? Radiohead and the smile are obviously very tied together. So Radiohead, for those who don't know, is a English rock band formed in Abington, Oxfordshire in 1985. And the band consists of Tom York, brothers, Johnny Greenwood and Colin Greenwood, Ed O'Brien and Philip Selway. They've worked with producer Nigel Godrich and cover artist Stanley Donwood since 1994. They're very known for shaping a lot of the sound of alternative rock in 90s and the 2000s. Very influential band. You know, OK Computer is considered a seminal album in terms of alternative rock music and rock music in general, really. I think one of a very few artists, like probably 10 or less artists that have two bona fide tens in their discography there are not many artists that can say i mean they might have like close but 
the ones that I can think of too, all the top of my head are like them and Prince that have two like tens. Not very many artists. There aren't can many say that they have that, two. Yeah. yeah, no, much much less not. one. Yeah, but two. Yeah, there's very few. Like I can think of a few bands that maybe I won't spoil at this point, but Pink Floyd, I think, has a couple of tens. Uh, mm. Miles Davis, John Coltrane. There, there aren't many. Some come close, but it's a rare thing, and it's a rare thing to see for a band of this scope. I mean, they've sold over thirty million records in their entire career. And they've had numerous awards from the Grammys. They had like six Grammy awards, four Ivor Novello awards, as well as multiple top 10 singles over the years. The likes of like Paranoid Android, No Surprises, Creep, Nude, Pyramid Song, They're There, Street Spirit. I mean, the list goes on and on. For such a experimental rock band, it is shocking to see that they've come to this level of popularity. Yeah, because they do get very experimental at points and they are taking from genres that before I'd read up on it, I'd never even heard of like kraut rock. Like I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. They're taking from genres. I didn't even like, I haven't even heard of much less known about. And they were m- mixing it in so seamlessly. Oh yeah. That some of his biggest influences are like can and like the Smiths and like, some old like Joy Division. I'm like, I don't hear any of that. <laughs> I mean, some can, yes, but I'm like, they even did a cover of uh, Headmaster's Ritual by the Smiths. He nailed it, by the way. And I'm just like, man, I did not hear like any of your, I don't even hear half of your influences in your music. Like, I, <laughs> it's just like you just made it. Radiohead just feels so weirdly unique. They're definitely an enigma in the rock canon. For sure, they are their own thing, they're their own sound. You can kind of tell there might be some things that they've pulled from, but for the most part, they're wholly original. And that's very, very difficult to do in music. Yeah, and their influence, man, it's undeniable. Uh, They've influenced so many alternative and experimental rock acts over the years, even like some post-rock. This album is very post-rock. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got a lot of like the same post-rock elements and even a little bit of uh, post-punk. In there, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of tension, a lot of buildup and uh, release. And there's, you know, this album in general is just dripping with tension. It's kind of like, well, not quite the same as the Black Country New Road record, but uh, a lot. It follows a lot of the same principles that post rock generally does, and uh, but with a little more groove and oh, yeah. and alternative rock leanings. Yeah, it's more like it has the tension, but it like keeps at a solid level throughout the song instead of like building. Whereas yeah, Black. St- Black Country, build and build and build and build. If it was a graph, it'd just be like a the steepest incline you've ever seen. But yeah. uh, the small kind of kind of evens it out. It's kind of solid throughout. It's like, a um, steady build. But you will never work in television again. Oh yeah, Tommy mm-hmm. Works first f bomb. I think he's ever dropped in a song. It was great too, by the way. That no, that was in the same. He said, "Motherfucker." I, w- I never thought I'd hear Tommy York say "simple ass motherfuckers." Said, <laughs> it was so it was so jarring. <laughs> Like in the oh, no, I'm talking about um, in the uh, no in the opening, it was the same. You'll never work in television. He says like, he goes, he's a fat fucking ass. That one. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. But he says no. He says motherfuckers first and same. Yeah, like I've never seen. I was like Tom, filthy boy. Yeah, he's he's fed up, man. He's an yeah. old man, you know. Yeah. I will say overall, like I'm impressed with Tom's vocals on this album. For as old as he is, and as long as he's been in this business, he's still able to keep it up. James, what do you think about Tom York's vocals? 
I think they're actually very good. He does a very good job. He, you can tell that he's taking care of his voice very well. Oh yeah, over the years, and I went and listened back to some of the older stuff, like OK Computer and In Rainbows, and his voice hasn't really changed yeah, at all. It was like <laughs> shocking. I will say, to me, getting into it, it took me a long time to really get to the point that I just liked Tom York's voice. I know that I'll, it is very, what do you call that, like contentious. Like some people really like it yeah. and some people really don't. Uh, to mm-hmm. me, the first Radiohead songs I listened to, I almost liked them despite of him. And then I kind of grew familiar to it. Like it was kind of like a acquired taste. So if anyone says that they don't, that bars entry into his music that he's involved with, I understand that completely. Oh, yeah. His voice is very much an acquired taste. I can see why someone would be annoyed with it because it's... They could call it whiny. Yeah, it's, you know? it's that kind of like whiny, airy voice. It, it doesn't have much like depth yeah. to it. You Goes know? in and out of falsetto at times a lot. I was going to yeah. say, York actually has a very impressive falsetto. Yeah. Yes, and he does also various uh, deliveries. From, I mean, he's even like done rap. Like he's even done like rap deliveries. And mm-hmm. he's, he's very, very varied in his... Vocal delivery. Yeah. yeah. You were saying you will never work in television again. You know, that's basically like a punk song. Oh, yeah. It and, reminds me a lot of their 90s material, that very aggressive, like, alt-rock sound. Yeah. This is one, I'd say this is like a top two song on the album for me. I really like this song. Mm, top three. Top four, maybe. Yeah, it's just, I would say it's top probably three. just the lyrical, because I've just, Tom is always so, like, tongue-in-cheek with his disdain for things. So him just come out and just drop an F-bomb and just get real just aggressive and pointed is a, is a very rare bird. Oh, yeah. To witness, and I enjoyed it. Like, we haven't seen this in quite a while. Not since, like, God, not since, like, what? Okay, computer, the bands. Yeah, because yeah, it's been kind of like, it's been kind of hurt Tom for a while. This is Angry Tom. Yeah, and it's honestly reflected in a lot of the instrumentals, too. Like, mm-hmm. even Greenwood is out of character on this one. He's playing a lot of really aggressive, like, thumpy bass lines, and it makes it for an interesting juxtaposition with Tom Skinner's very loose, like, easygoing jazz drumming style it honestly feels like they were somewhere i can envision them like meeting back up talking about music that they want to make and they're in an old pub and they just hear like an old like song from pablo honey play and they're just like you remember when we did this it's kind of and they're just kind of thinking like you know what i don't necessarily hate this as much as i used to you know there's so much time between it they're like what if we revisited that in a way Really, they revisit sounds from their different eras on yeah. multiple tracks here. That's honestly them maturing because if there is one thing that like prime mid 2000s Radiohead did is they wanted to make every album as difficult as possible. It's like an album dropped and they immediately like hated it and like they just never wanted to do that again, especially like post Kit. Now, the first three albums were, you know, very they're, they're the tuning up their sound, but then after Kid A, it's like they just wanted to do. Everything different. They're like, everything has to be everything. We want to be different. We don't want to go back to that. We want to make a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, it's kind of funny because we we talked about Kid Cudi earlier in a different recording. And I feel like Radiohead kind of accomplished what Kid Cudi was trying to do, but better in terms of innovating and changing creative styles between projects. Although, on that note, 
there there are significant stylistic changes between their albums. And I wonder, oh, yeah. had I been a Radiohead fan like at the time? I mean, obviously they're a little too young. I mean, when in their in their like heyday, when they were releasing albums only like a year or two apart, I was like six or five. So, but. I wonder if I could have been like a fan along with them, what I would have thought from one album to the next. I wonder what albums I would have been disappointed by and what albums would I have thought were like 10, you know, like great right out of the bat, knocked it out of the park. Or I wonder what the only one that I have, when I first discovered Radiohead, they had had been a year after a King of Limbs. So I got to take in most of their discog at once and then a moonshape pool dropped, and it took me a while to get into that album. It took me a while, but now once it did, I think it's—I mm, actually it's, think it's one of their best albums. It's top four, possibly. I don't know about top three, but it's definitely up. It's definitely up there, at least top five. Yeah, it is so poignant, it's so emotional, very powerful. True yeah. Love Waits, powerful song, man, and yeah, and like just full stop, and just Dex Dark. Oh yeah, when he's just asking just into the void, like. Like, are you done with me? Like, just talking to, like, his wife. And it's just like... And that is one of the most tragic stories, like, connected to music, I think, ever. Like, him and his wife separated. And he wanted them to become friends again. But before they got to mend to that point, she died. Tragic. So they were not on good terms. Like, that album just tears me apart. I cannot listen to that album, like, all the way through. I haven't listened to that album all the way through in a quite a long time. Yeah, it's it's a tough listen, a very potent one too, and I honestly I highly recommend it. I don't think this one is quite as um emotional. It kind of feels a little bit more like some commentary mixed with some kind of like, you know, angst at current events. Well, also the, some it's very this album feels like definitely like two friends getting together again to just kind of just make some make some music unlike you know, his last few albums have been kind of like fueled by things. This one seems to kind of like him just a little, you know, things aren't as tragic. To me, the lyrical tone of this album, it, it sounds fed up. You know, Tom York sounds very jaded and cynical about the reality of the world and the state we're in and the things we've been going through. And it kind of makes sense because this was recorded during the COVID-19 lockdowns. Yeah, and all the other social upheaval that's been going on. Yeah, Tom York sounds just, he sounds jaded is the best way I can put it, which is, you know, something uh, Tom York has definitely, like, played on before, but I've never seen it as direct and as upfront as I have on this album. Oh, yeah. Even uh, some real world and political themes on other albums like um, Hell to the Thief were veiled in some way. With either a concept or just... Some really complicated metaphors. Yeah, metaphors. But these are pretty in-your-face. This is probably the most in-your-face his writing has been since, like, the 90s. The same. It's pretty obvious what the song yeah. is about. It's He's trying to convince everyone that we're really all the same. We agree on a lot more than you think we do. We just got to find out the solutions to work on it together. It does kind of have a jaded tone to it, but it's also... A bit of optimism in there, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I do, re- I really like the instrumental on this one. Um, yeah. The, the really eerie, like, electronic opening. You know, and it's so. a it's a slow build throughout the song. Yeah. It's just yeah. tension. Plus, uh, Tom York's really eerie vocals. This one grew on me. When I first heard this, I, I didn't really dislike it, but it was very meh. When I first heard this opener, I was thinking to myself, this is going to be another like Tom York solo project. 
It's not going to be, it's going to be hardly rock at all. I kind of set that expectation up for me, but then hearing the rest of the album, I could kind of, I kind of went back to the song on listens after that. With those expectations gone, I could kind of fully appreciate what it was doing. Mm -hmm. And the song went from being like one of my least favorites to like pretty in middle of the pack. Yeah. About middle of the pack. And that buildup is nice. And, you know, yeah, he drops a good mother effort. Yeah. Real just jaded Tom and a great lyrical opener to, Mm -hmm. to the album. I agree. Um, now the opposite. Oh, yeah, this very groovy. Yeah, this is that tonal shift. Yeah, flips it on its head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite literally in the sudden, track listing and everything. Yeah, suddenly you're like in a funk groove. because yeah. that's exactly what it is. You and know. the the guitar work is solid. Yeah, one of the oh, weirdest yeah. Greenwood riffs. Oh yeah, in a in a hot minute. Yeah, it's a funk riff. Yeah, it's straight like this is straight up funk, dude. Like, yeah, I love. I this is my favorite song in the album. Oh yeah, it's and, top three. It's a it's a bop. It's yeah. a bouncy, eerie bop. Oh yeah, the vocals give it that eeriness. Yeah, he kind of comes yeah. in yeah, and out. He's really, like, you know, elevates his his volume, and he'll kind of come in and out, and he's kind of over over top of the bounciness, and he'll kind of yeah. He's honestly he's on like the edge of not fitting the song, but he. He keeps it to where it's just right, I suppose. Yeah, he's tiptoeing that line very his, well. His yeah. vocals are more supplemental right, than yeah. the main focus. You know, to me, the main focus of the song is that drum groove and those Definitely. guitar riffs. Like, this, like is a, this is a killer track. Yeah, like the syncopation in the drums is just perfect. Impressive. He has such great feel. Yeah, uh, Tom Skinner, honestly, if he replaced Radiohead's main drummer, I would not be upset. It's also, it feels like, I mean, the last... Two Radiohead albums have been very slow, very non-rock, very if, experimental. If, yeah, if it does get up tempo and heavy with like layered percussion, it's very electronic based. It is a breath of fresh air to see some actual like some drum, you yeah, know, some, some drum energy, chops you know? being shown, you know, on, on up tempo because usually it gets up tempo and then there's like a bunch of drum machines and like very minimal live drumming parts and but. That it's back to that in rainbows, you know, up tempo like kind of jazz esque drums. Like it is so welcome. Yeah, I was happy to hear it. Here. Very welcome change. Yeah. Skinner is great. It also came. Have you listened to any of the of his band Sons of Kemet or Sons of Kemet? Uh, yeah. Not yet, but um, I am interested now because of Tom Skinner. <laughs> it is like mostly like that group. I don't is like mostly jazz. Like I don't think it's rock at all. I think no, it's like some kind they're of jazz. Straight up jazz band. After following that, you will never work in television again. Now, we did go over this a little bit, but um, I'll reiterate. It reminds me very much of, like, the alt-rock, like, aggressive sound of their 90s-era stuff, like Pablo Honey, OK Computer, even. Even the Benz. This and The Smoke are my top two. I mean, they're kind of, like, tied. I wouldn't say I'd give, like, number one to one or the other, but those two songs are definitely my favorite, like, Tom is so just aggressive in his delivery, and it's yes. got that just that postponed that '90s like almost somewhat like a, kind of like a Brit pop vibe, and like kind of how mm-hmm. like their Pablo Honey album was, and it's just a little bit more straight. It's just the first three songs really just pull you in opposite directions. Like first, you're like, this is going to be a very synth-oriented Tom York solo project, and then the opposite is like, wow, this is, you're going to have all these. Giving you this like funk like these like complex like riffs and rhythms, and then this one gives you a more just like a straightforward like rock with like the angry vocal. It's like 
you know, it's pulling you in different directions, but it gets it, you're you're excited because it it's hitting what it's attempting right on the head. So instead of it being like, ooh, they're trying a bunch of different things, it doesn't sound right. You're excited. You're like, well, what's going to come next? Yeah, it's it's sonically coherent, but it's jumping in a lot of different directions. Like the pacing doesn't really feel too bad on this album. I do think there are a little bit of like pacing issues, but it's pretty smooth for the most part from track to track. Like I'm I'm never really like disoriented by the stylistic shifts of a lot of this album. I feel like my main criticisms for this album are not as much in a song to song basis, but more of like a whole album basis. Like you said, it does have some pacing issues and the second half of the album that we're going to talk about does have a tendency to bleed together. The motifs kind of bleed together a little bit, especially when it slows down. Yeah, it really, the second half of the album, it bored me. I got bored by the end. Yeah, but like the, the up-tempo stuff is, is killer. Oh, yeah. Some of these are definitely oh, yeah. on, on repeat for me. Yeah. Like the smoke. Dude, that is my favorite track. Yeah, great that, track. That drum groove. Oh, most, most memorable bass line. Also, I love the brass instrumentation on that. You know, oh, the, yes. The horns on like the chorus yeah. and stuff like that. Oh. Now, I would love to have, I know there are two different bands technically, but... You know how Radiohead will sometimes like kind of mash up and make alternate album track lists of like yeah. multiple albums. I would love to have one for this and then Rainbows. Didn't they do that for like uh, Kid A, like Kid Amnesiac or something? Yeah, like it's that? like Kid A and Amnesiac. Well, there's a, a story behind that. Kid A and Amnesiac are both recorded in the same session. They were pretty adamant against like the studio guys that they did not want to do a double album. So they just repackaged Amnesiac. It was kind of like almost like B-sides from Kid A, but they kind of like made it into an album and created the track list like on the fly. But both of those albums were from like the same recording session. Okay, okay. But they have done one that's like OK Computer and another album. But they do they do, do that where they well, combine. They, the, they did In Rainbow's Disc yeah, too. I was going to say, isn't there? Man, I'd love a, mash, a matchup of this album and In Rainbow's, especially like that more up-tempo stuff. Like oh, yeah. 15 step and then like the opposite are some of the most like creative. Groovy. Yeah. One thing I found very, very nice and fun about the front side of this album, the A side, is just how groovy it is, especially for a Radiohead project. Like their stuff since the 2010s has been really experimental, really open and ambient. And there's not a whole lot of uh, bop ability to it. I like the word. It's not as punchy. Um, not as catchy in some respects. Oh, yeah. Very catchy. Like some of the, the uh, next to last track, the catchiest one on the album. Yeah. And tracks like The Smoke and The Opposite are like 57 and Body Snatchers were so, I always reference how much I like a riff, like a little memorable, like catchy hook. 15 Step, it feels like every instrument, including Tom on the vocals, is doing a riff at once. Like the drums are doing that drum groove, drum mm-hmm. loop. And then the bass player is, has his riff. Johnny's playing a riff and Tom is doing that. You know, how can I end up where I is just doing that? Like down step, like vocal delivery. It's like, wow. Every instrument is like doing a riff. Like my brain is like, this pleases, this pleases my brain. Like this pleases me greatly. And then like, there's, there's, there's that on this album with like, you know, the smoke and the opposite. Like, it's just like, oh, Panavision though, the, the track in between the opposite and the smoke. I love this track. I, I think this is Tom's best vocal performance on the entire yeah. album. This is my favorite of the slow tracks. Yeah. But very big throwback to those, those King of limbs, moon shape, pool piano ballads. 
you know, that's that era that this song is kind of taken from and putting that in there. We're not even at the halfway point of the track list, and we've already gotten influences from over half of Radiohead's discography. It's kind of insane. And speaking of influences from other Radiohead songs or albums, uh, Speech Bubbles, this this song reminds me of Reckoner off of In Rainbows, yeah. like to a T, like with the stringed instrumentation, you mm. know, the very classical sound and like the swells. Man, it has a beautiful conclusion. Yeah. Beautiful composition. Beautiful song. Very ethereal, classical-leaning track that reminds me of the softer side of In Rainbows. Uh, great highlight. Personal favorite. It goes for a great string of favorites on this album so far. The A side, like we were saying, is definitely the best part. This is where we get into some of the more like awkward tracks, some of the more obvious pacing issues uh, with Thin Thing. This is actually my least favorite track on the album. This and Free and the Knowledge are my least favorite tracks on this album. Yeah, like Same the, the, here. The, Same guitar, here. the guitar work on this one is very sloppy. And yeah. it clashes really badly with the... Uh, the drums. The looser, like, jazz drumming style of Tom Skinner. It's almost like he was in that same headspace where he wanted to kind of do the opposite, but it didn't really... Whereas the opposite was kind of like striking gold. Like, both those two songs were like, you go out, you know, you go out to be a miner in a mine. The opposite is when you strike gold. Thin thing is when you just get dirt. Yeah, Re- it, it's yep. just awkward. Like the the grooves of the drums and the guitar do not work well. Both are and both performances are sloppy. Like I thought a lot of the drum fills were really sloppy. I wouldn't call them sloppy. Within the song, it it just feels a little weird. It's a little jarring. It's like too jarring, you know. And it, it almost sounds like they're going for like a math rock approach. But, yeah, it's a little too dissonant. But it's it doesn't work. Max says. They did not do math rock how I want them to do it. They did not do the math rock properly. Well, I mean, you got, but like the guitar work, it's very angular. It's got, it's very like dissonant. It's very plucky and it just doesn't really, really work against the jazz yeah. drums. You know, Tom Skinner's are really smooth and groovy and they're like, choppy. like it clashes too much and it's annoying. Yeah. It's like, you like the guitar work when you, when the song first starts, but it wears out its welcome pretty fast. Yeah. This song in Speech Bubbles, I was initially high on this song, and I was very low on Speech Bubbles, and they have pretty much flipped after multiple listens. I like Speech Bubbles more, and Thin Thing has dropped to like being a bottom two song. I, I, mean, think, spe- I think it's the worst track in the album. Speech Bubbles is still like kind of mid, but yeah, I, I definitely think so too, especially for the fact that this is one of the first songs I've heard, and they made a thing is, they made a music video, like the ones that they, the singles they really pushed were like, this and Speech Bubbles, I'm like, they didn't hardly push any of like the up-tempo, groovy songs. I'm like, what? I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I was it, like, it's funny because it'll never work in television again. Is the most listened to track from what I see here. It, well, they, well, this came out with like six singles. I don't remember the exact number, but they released almost half of this yeah. track. Well, I should before. say the ones with like music videos, and then I see like accompanying media for are like, oh yeah, Speech yeah. Bubbles and like Thin Thing. I'm like. These shouldn't be the ones where we're focused yeah, on. Yeah, why not like you know, the smoke or the opposite yeah. or we don't know what tomorrow brings. You know, that that song is a bop. Open the floodgates. Yeah, open the floodgates. Uh, this is... Kind of forgettable. Kind of, well, it's, it's a nice electronic segue into the softer side of the album, I think. You know, this is kind of the turning point and where the album really starts to slow down a lot. But there's not really much to note about it besides that. Like I said earlier... I got bored at this point. Yeah, it kind of bleeds. Was, yeah. It kind of bleeds into freeing the knowledge. 
I actually really like this one. You know, it's kind of similar to Speech Bubbles, you know, that stringed yeah. like ballad composition. Speaking of which, Johnny Greenwood does the composition for the strings because he is a symphonic composer. He has that in his in his toolbox. So all the strings and stuff, he has... Oh, his arrangements. His wrote, yeah, his, he's a great arranger. And he also, I want to shout this out before I forget, he knows how to play one of the rarest instruments, and that is the Ons Martineau. It's pretty much like a keyboard, but with like a slide. So it's like a vibrato. You can do vibrato on like a piano, like a keyboard, and it's like electronic. And it is the weirdest album weirdest album is the weirdest instrument and there's not very many of them like there's probably like less than a hundred maybe even less maybe like dozens or a dozen and he knows how to play it and has been featured in several of their works i can't i don't i'm not particularly certain if that is if he's played that on this album but i've also i have to shout him out because very very rare instrument i mean that's like the um like the glass harmonica and stuff like just a very very rare instrument However, I didn't really like free in the I didn't really like free in the knowledge. And that's probably because of the hook. I just don't like the way he just delivers it. Like I'm free in the knowledge. I just, I just I didn't like it. Just, the rest of the song is okay. It's just his vocal. I'm not hot about Tom's vocal delivery in this song. Yeah, and I feel like this, if this song had been in a different part of the album, like Panavision was, I might have liked it more. Like you were saying, it all just kind of bleeds together here. There were times where I would just like lose focus on it because it was just the same. And it was this almost ethereal, airy sound. Track six through six through nine, that middle part of the album are, is the weakest part of the album. Oh, yeah. yeah. That run is very, very... It's where a lot of my pacing issues come in. It almost makes you want to fall asleep. It, weirdly enough, it kind of has the same problem that Blue Matter did, like the middle of the album yep. uh, being the weakest. And yep. And kind of ruining the pacing a little bit. Really, I saw. I thought you know some of these tracks should have been on you know maybe the bottom half or kind of sprinkled in between, or maybe it could have been flipped. Like you know, keep the softer stuff on the front side and the bouncier, up tempo stuff on the back side. But that's I mean that's just down to personal taste, I guess. But yeah, I would say probably the best thing would be to have it more of a mix. Yeah, it's very like A side, all the bops, all the the fun songs, all the groovy songs, and then B side, the ambient, ethereal, classical leaning stuff. It kind of goes for like a bit of a big finish at the end, but I did not care for the closer either, but we'll get to that. You see, and in Rainbows did that thing, it did that mix up perfectly because you had bops to softer to bops to softer to bops to softer even at the end like the last two songs are like that upbeat like kind of acoustic jigsaw falling into place and then it slows back down with the just the steady lumbering of videotape like they're not they weren't afraid to do that like that that roller coaster coaster, because because it and it felt right and you know like hair dryer i do i do like that song and it does kind of bring it up a little bit but i don't know the song does not grab me like uh, some of the other tracks. I think it's a little too long. I think the riff wears out its welcome a little too mm. fast, and it doesn't really have the accompaniment of like just really great like rhythms or like other instruments like filling it out like some of these other songs do. So it kind of wears out. It's after about like two minutes, you're kind of taught, you know. Now I will say Tom's vocal performance carries this song. Oh yeah, it's, it's very, very haunting. Mm. It's mm. very like. Yeah, very airy. Airy very... and like angelic almost. Yeah. If if it weren't for Tom's vocal performance, I would not have liked this song as much. 
his delivery almost kind of reminds me of some King of Limbs stuff, like um, some of the earlier tracks, like uh, Mr. Magpie, um, like Bloom, and some of those other early tracks early on where it's like very, there's like very like staccato rhythms. I think he does that really well. He has the song punching a little bit above its weight class because the song isn't really as fleshed out as it should be. And he's really, he, he really makes it, although you do kind of, after about two minutes, you're kind of like, the guitar is kind of wearing out its welcome. Yeah, definitely. And this is really where the album starts to wear out its welcome for me. Uh, you know, we get into White Flag, and uh, I think that's one of the most forgettable songs on this album. I do enjoy the synth work on it, though. Yeah, the synth work, it's not that bad. Do, do, it's it's do, fine. Do, 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 do. Uh, but at this point, I was like, uh, this is where it started to lose me. You know, that's where... You know, James, you were mentioning earlier how it started to bleed together for you. This is really where I started to lose interest. Yeah, it, I, <laughs> I had lost it a while ago, like three songs ago, but it, it just all kind of blended together for me. I wasn't ready for it to be over. It didn't feel like it was dragging, if yeah, you know what yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. kind of like Indicud. But it was just more like background noise. It's almost like you yeah. were like lost in it. You're like, where am I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was exactly. It wasn't a, a bad tuning out but it, the fact that i was still tuning out at all was a problem yeah exactly it does now it does pick up finally with the penultimate track we don't know what tomorrow we don't know brings. what tomorrow brings catchy song the album like tom york's whole very alien like vocal performance on the chorus uh you know it's got that really classic like alt rock sound from like the 2000s you know, one, of the, one of the most straightforward songs he's ever written yeah it's shockingly mm-hmm. straightforward honestly this is gonna sound weird but i could hear this on like a 2000s like strokes album or something like that yeah uh, like a more refined like garage rock band i don't know i got like garage revival vibes from this yeah this is very the bands oh yes i was gonna say it's very reminiscent of the bands with that like alt rock sound very peppy but still like eerie and emotional you know what this reminds me of what? Some like middle of their career, Kings of Leon. Wildly, <laughs> really? wildly enough. Yeah, where they had like, where they kind of lost like, like that. Like Sex on Fire era? Yeah, almost. With like, it's like those like long sweeping guitars and like where they still had kind of like that garage rock sound, but they lost all the dirt and they lost all like the grit and like southernness. And they were a little bit more, they were like really like clean and polished before they started to get a little bluesier again. Mm. At least the instrumentals. Now, Tom's vocals don't sound like anything that anyone could do. No, they're like, very they're like, alien. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like very 2000s. Top three song, though. I love the yeah, song. Yeah, no, I love the song, but it reeks of the 2000s. Uh, with that being said, uh, we get into the conclusion of The Smiles, A Light for Attracting Attention, Skirting on the Surface. I thought this was an underwhelming closer. I Forgettable. Love his, I love his vocals, but the instrumentals aren't there. Left a lot to be desired from yeah. the instrumentals. Forgettable, for sure. And probably besides then things like my least favorite track. This is an album I will say that even if you love Radiohead and like that style of music, and you can jump right in. This takes a while to digest, to just separate it out so that the songs don't just blend together and you're like, I mean, it is great sonically. Yeah, it's it's sonically coherent. Yeah, yeah. but it's just like, yeah, so it is. Or it cohesive. takes a while for it to digest song on a song to song basis. It's very pleasing to the ear. I will say that. Yeah, there was an over a point on this album where I was like, "Oh, this sounds awful," or "Wow, this was like unbelievably bad," or something like that. You know, it was pretty smooth 
Mm-hmm. Very easy listen, even if uh, there are some pacing issues. It wasn't a chore to get through this album. Although, on the other hand, besides like a couple of tracks, there's nothing here that really jumped out at me and grabbed me. And I was, had me like, whoa, this is fucking great. Maybe a, a little above average in terms of like the sound to me. What would you rate it? I'd give it a six. Six out of ten? Yep. Man, that's kind of that's low. I, I wouldn't even give it that low. I'm telling you, man, the latter half of the album, I just lost interest almost completely. Well, I want to do a little experiment here. So I won't you know, get into any spoilers by any other ones, but have there been any other Radiohead albums that you've heard from start to finish? No, not very many. I've heard some of OK Computer. I've heard some of In Rainbow. Well, how would you, on your early analysis, how would you rate those personally? I would say OK Computer, from what I've heard so far, is about a 7 to an 8. Whereas in rainbows, it's more like a closer to a six and a half to seven. Well, has there been anything that's like really jumped out at you on those two albums? Because if the answer Bruh. is also no, then N- no, there's there is a few tracks like oh, uh, okay. Karma Police really stuck out to me a lot on OK Computer. Okay, because if you listen, if you've heard like radio, like prime radiohead stuff and that's still not you're still getting kind of signed of the same vibes then this band is just not, yeah, for, you. Not for you yeah <laughs> like i wouldn't say that radiohead really is a band for me but they do have their moments but it's not something that i'm going to be a huge fan of why is that it's a lot of this ethereal and airy sound that's in a lot of their music it can be a little boring to me. I don't feel anything. And lyrically, I can hear, I can see some of it. Like there's a lot of, like you were saying, metaphors. While that can be a little pretentious at times, I get the appeal of it. And there's definitely some emotion in there. The way Tom sings, you can't deny that there's a lot of emotion behind his vocals. But it's just not something that grabs me. You know, like I just want to feel something hit me like hard in the soul you know what i mean i was getting that same thing originally i got into an argument with someone about radiohead one of my biggest music regrets is i took part in the whole like muse versus radiohead feud and i was like firmly on like the muse you know that was a weird one some people said that like they're similar i don't think so as fans of both bands i do not see it it's very very slight they have like the same like old influences and there's very little overlap. I mean, that's like if you told me that Muse and Coldplay were similar because both frontman played the piano, I'd say, yes, but you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> yeah. nothing there. From what I've heard from Muse, like Assassin sounds absolutely yeah. nothing like yeah. anything I've heard from Radiohead. Yeah. That song is a straight up metal song. Yeah. So I initially hated Radiohead and then I heard Reckoner. Then I heard Body Snatchers. Karma Police, and what's, man, my brain is just going dumb today. What, what, like Paranoid Android? Yeah, yeah, Paranoid, I heard Paranoid Android, and even though I did not like Tom, I was like, man, these riffs are killer, and there's some just great stuff going on. So then I was like, I had to find what's different. I was like, okay, well, Tom is kind of, has all these different deliveries. I was like, maybe there's one I like. And so there is, when he does is airy and like very metaphorical and like, I don't know what this song is about. There's also times where he's very, he's a lot more direct. Like on Hell to the Thief, I Will, 
Like Larry says straight is I will like lay you down like in a bunker, like underground. Like it's straight up about like people just like getting bombed and dying. And it's just it is there on the surface and you do not have to read into it. Mm-hmm. You know what it's about and it, it's a gut punch. It's him doing um with vocal accompaniment with himself and just a guitar that Johnny's playing. That's it. It's so stripped down and it's it it it's powerful. And I I like I said before, they have their moments. They have these songs that are really cool and interesting and lyrically very powerful and emotional. But as a whole, it's not I can't see myself liking every single thing or enjoying every single song in any oh, of the albums. So Oh, there's straight up songs by Radiohead I hate. Yeah, and Tom, I do not like Wolf at the Door. I cannot stand that song. Yeah, and Tom York can definitely be uh, a certified Weenie Hut Junior's uh, <laughs> attendee. Oh, he's an absolute cuck. Person- Personality-wise, I can I hate him too. Yeah, I mean, he can be relatable at times. Like a lot of his uh, subject material is about like alienation and yeah. and being an outcast and mm-hmm. you know, kind of dealing with this like dissociative lifestyle that he lives and and feels and stuff like that. And it, it can be very relatable and very haunting. And he has some very potent and powerful work. Yeah. And some, some of the, the biggest part of his delivery is that he'll have like these like metaphors, but then he'll have like a line that's like direct hidden in the middle of all this. Like that is his running style to a T and, I, nutshell, and yeah. I love it. It's almost kind of like nine inch nails where, Trent Reznor will sometimes give lines that are so straightforward yet so visceral. You're just like, they just hit you in the gut. Like I hurt myself today. Like, so what would you give this album, Garrett? You know, I know you're a really big Radiohead fan, so, and you've been kind of praising it to high heaven. So I'm, I'm curious. That's a seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay. Or seven. I guess I'll go ahead and give my final thoughts. You know, I think the smile is a solid side project that reminds me heavily of, Radioheads in rainbows with a uh, similar inclinations towards like groovy electronic sounds mixed with a lot of acoustic guitars and classical instrumentation. Although thanks to Tom Skinner's jazz drumming style and Johnny Greenwood's surprisingly aggressive bass lines mixed with the impressive level of variety and the musical styles on this album, every single part of this album, it feels like it's being pulled from a different era of Radiohead. And for that, I really appreciate it because it's consistent while still playing with a lot of different musical styles. You know, The Smile does distinguish itself from Radiohead's core material, but not enough for me to say that this is like totally separate from their catalog. I do believe that this is the best side project to come out of Radiohead's offshoots to date. And I'd recommend it to any Radiohead fan who is looking to scratch that, you know, Tom York, Johnny Greenwood itch. So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Solid. But yeah, guys, uh, have anything else to say? Any final thoughts? Perhaps after I've listened to more Radiohead more consistently, it may grow on me. But for now, it's still a 6. Yes. (laughs) Yes, join us. I will say it will. (laughs) I got a pretty big hater on board and I myself was a hater. So I think that if you can Wait, really was learn, it, was it Greg? Yes. I knew it. <laughs> and me myself. I mean, I was a very big Radiohead hater and now they're in my top three favorite bands of all time. 
Uh, they, Quite a jump, and they yeah. have yes. So I know in Redemption. my I and, and you know most other bands, I'm just kind of like, you know, if you dislike them, you dislike them. But this band, I will force feed it like down their throat because I was like, man, <laughs> I was at a point where I was ready to go to war against this band, and now I will go to war for them. I was like, if <laughs> I could make that, me as stubborn as I am, and as stubborn as people I know that you know. Hate Radiohead that eventually get into them. I was like, I can, I can make anyone a believer. Radiohead is like the Bible; like it will make believers out of you. <laughs> you you will change. You you will completely do a one eighty. You are an advocate for Radiohead in the same way that I'm an advocate for like Fishman's and MF Doom. Exactly. <laughs> like I am a Radiohead disciple. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I am a. But thing is, we I, shall see. Because, like, I still don't like Tom York. You asked me, like... He's a bit of a weenie. I just like him so much. And one thing I'll say about him is I've I've seen, like, interviews and stuff that he's done, and he does not make any sense. It's like he's he might as well be speaking a foreign language to me. He's What he says <laughs> is so stupid and so out there, and I just... It's such wankery, and I don't get it, but it's like the music he makes, it's like he speaks... Like, I understand everything he's saying. It's like... It speaks to you. It's 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 almost like when they when scientists say like well, when you communicate with aliens they won't be able to speak but math is the universal language. I really feel like music is the universal language because here is this oh, absolute like chode that I just do not like. But we have some way to connect, and he's speaking truth to me through his music. Like it really is music, like math, is a universal language because only then can you connect with people that you would just absolutely hate. I knew, I knew, I know for a fact if I met him, I would. that is not a person I want to meet. Like him and Jack White are not musical artists that I want to meet, ever. Nope. No. But yeah, with that being said, this is Off The Key Podcast. I'm your host, Mac, and we're out of here. Thanks, guys. music i'm gonna put his channel link in the youtube version of this video but for those on streaming services it is spelled l-u-k-r-e-m-b-o please go check him out thanks guys